Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the USC Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm Nara Wang, and with me, as usual, is the two-time national champion at USC and 13-year NFL defensive lineman, Frosty Rucker. Frosty, before we do the autopsy of the loss against Oregon, the big news that broke at the end of last week was that USC is apparently going to hire University of Cincinnati Athletic Director Mike Bond as its new AD. He is familiar with the Pac-12 as he was Colorado's athletic director when the Buffaloes transitioned from the Big 12 to the Pac-12. What are your thoughts on that news? I feel like it's a good hire. I'm familiar with the guy for the past five years. Uh, I lived in this Cincinnati region and I was familiar with him. Actually sat down with him last year when I was training. He's a great leader and that's one thing I can say about him. Having uh, multiple conversations with him prior to this, him getting the job at USC, he's a very directed guy, and he lives with purpose. And I think at this moment, it's the great first step for USC. Yes, it is a guy who has a lot of experience as an athletic administrator, which is something the last couple of hires at USC have not had, and he doesn't have direct ties to USC, so all of this is good. Of course, nothing has been finalized yet, so we'll see until it's all signed and on the dotted line. But, of course, that news broke late in the week. University of Cincinnati AD Mike Vaughn is supposed to be the new USC athletic director. So we'll wait for that news to become official. But, of course, if you enjoy listening to our USC football podcast, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, and we're available wherever you can find your favorite podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. The website is Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Podcast. For me, on Twitter, you can find and follow me at Nara Wang Sports, that's N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G sports and frosty let them know where to find you you can always find me at the organic frost on twitter and instagram and like i said previously go ahead send me some messages let's have a little q a let's go back and forth during the games i like being a fan but at the same time i would like to engage so at the organic frost So I said at the top of the show that we would be doing an autopsy of the 56-24 beatdown that Oregon delivered to USC last Saturday because the dreams of a possible Pac-12 title realistically died at the Coliseum that night. After starting the game with a 16-play touchdown drive and then adding a field goal after Justin Herbert threw only his second interception of the season, USC led 10-zip at the end of the first quarter. But it was all downhill from there as the Ducks went on a 56-7 scoring run over the next three quarters before SC added a garbage-time TD for the final margin. Frosty, how did a game that started with such promise end in such despair? Well, I'm not sure what promise you're talking about. 
I pretty much called it the way it was. I felt like. Well, it started with promise because we jumped out to a lead and we were looking good for a bit. Yo, I let you know what time it was before the game started. <laughs> Look, yeah, we jumped out. Everyone was hype. The game settled in and we just don't have enough. We don't have enough depth to match a caliber team like Oregon. I'm sure with the hot seat going around coach, he can't think properly and perform the way he would like to. And it's exactly what I thought was going to happen. We can mess around with them for a quarter or two, but then we're going to get out athlete. We're going to get out coach. We're going to get outperformed. And that's what happened. And it happened in a big way. And I know I messaged you. I sent out on Twitter after we settled for that field goal when we got the interception, put us at their eight-yard line, and we can only get two yards and have to settle for a field goal. I'm like, this is going to come back and bite us, isn't it? And that's what happens when you get out to that kind of momentum at the start. You got to jump all over that team, and you got to put a bunch of points up, and we just didn't do it. And part of the reason is, like you mentioned, we didn't have the depth. Some of that is all the injuries that SC has had this season. We even had a couple more guys get injured. Greg Johnson got a concussion during the game, so that hurt the DB depth again. Offensive lineman Liam Jimmins hurt his elbow. So, again, the injury bug hitting USC as it has all season. But let's face it, a guy who's gotten a lot of praise for his play, and rightfully so at times, and even in this game, he looked good at times, especially in that start. But true freshman quarterback, Keaton Slovis, had what I would say was his worst game of the season, completed a season low 56% of his passes, and he threw 57 passes, which set a USC record for most pass attempts in a single game. It broke a 30-year-old record held by Todd Marinovich, who threw for 55 passes against Notre Dame back in 1989. So now Keaton Slovis holds the record with 57. The same thing happened both times. SC lost. He only threw for 264 yards. He had the three TDs, but that was counterbalanced by three interceptions and a fumble. He got sacked three times. Three was not a magic number in this game for USC. And we had talked in the last show about SC needing to establish a run to help them, and they did quite the opposite of that. In the first half alone, Slovis threw the ball 42 times compared to just 13 runs, and two of which are only runs because sacks are considered rushing attempts. So technically, really only 11 runs versus 42 times passing. And here's the really telling part to me is that USC in the red zone on offense, 12 plays in the red zone in the first half, they only ran the ball three times. And one of them, again, only technically a run because it was a sack fumble that Slovis lost. I can understand if you're throwing the ball around and you're moving the ball, which SC was able to do for a lot of that game. But when you get into the red zone, I think you've got to be able to run the ball once you basically have the field tightened up, you can't just be spreading out five guys and not even showing run. I just don't get that. Well, SC's true to what they are. Their attack is in the air. It makes us balanced if we can run the ball, but you know the main strategy here is quick slants and trying to free someone up to breaking the tackle and taking it to the house. We were just outmatched, you know, and anytime we're playing a contender of a team, they're not afraid of us. To come to the Coliseum used to bring a lot of fear. There's no fear in that. A lot of these guys in the Pac-12, they're from California. 
Those are homecoming games for them. The stands are packed with their fans, and they're really showcasing what they got. They're not afraid to come to Coliseum anymore. And until that changes, we're going to be having podcasts talking about this. Yeah, and on the other side of the ball, the defense actually, I think, played well enough in the first half to keep us in the game. And overall, they held Oregon to 405 yards of total offense, which is below what Oregon normally gets by about 50 yards or so. But they did give up six and a half yards of play, and that's where the difference came in. SC ran about 20 more plays than Oregon, but wasn't as good per play as the Ducks. And when you have the quick strike possibilities of Oregon, and even then, I wouldn't say that they really necessarily did a bunch of that on offense. It was more on the other stuff that happened with the pick six that was thrown by Slovis to Brady Breeze, the fumble that he gave up, the special teams problems continuing. I mean, allowing that 100-yard kickoff return after the SC had gotten the touchdown, the pass to Michael Pittman to draw the score to within 21-17, and you figure, all right, you can go into halftime. You're only down four. You've played pretty well. And then to kick off deep and let the guy go basically run almost just a straight line all the way up the field for 100 yards to turn into a 28-17 deficit at the half and take all the wind out of the home crowd. And then the continuous baffling decisions by Valus Jones to run the ball out instead of just taking the 25-yard line touchbacks after he ran that kickoff return for 100 yards in the opener against Fresno State. They just given him license to return everything, and it really hasn't worked out. And then you've got penalties. Although Oregon was hit by penalties, I'd say even worse. You could say they were even more undisciplined. They had 12 penalties for 157 total yards. SC had eight for 92 yards. In the second quarter alone, SC had three personal fouls. There was the targeting on Isaiah Pullamau that got him ejected from the game. Elijah Griffin got one when the play got called dead, but he was tangled up with the receiver down the field and then kind of flipped them as he got up and he was the one who drew the flag. And then Jay Tufele got one for roughing the passer. And then there were two more in the second half when Kanai Mauga fell into Justin Herbert's knee. That was a scary little moment there. Let's see if Herbert was okay or not. He came back in a couple plays later, ended up throwing a dime for a touchdown. And then Tufele got another personal foul in the fourth quarter. So a lot of this undisciplined stuff that we've seen from USC cropped up again. It just, it's just evident. It's non-discipline. We could sit here and say some are ticky-tack fouls or defense trying to do a little extra. It's just the tale of our season. It's undisciplined. It's not what we want. And again, teams are coming in there and they're not afraid. So they're getting personal fouls and whatnot. They're doing whatever they want to do, and it's unfortunate that some of the guys that are, or most of the guys that are playing their hearts out or getting opportunities, they're not getting rewarded victories, and that's part of sports. That's part of what's going on now, and until we get it right, it's just going to continue to be like this. Yeah, and then just one thing I'd want to say. I know Slovis is a true freshman. He's shown promise for sure, but I'm already seeing the same trend that's happened before with guys like Sam Darnold and Matt Barkley, where the fans just think that there's so much potential there, and they basically make them out to be the next greatest thing in the world, and they ignore all of the issues. And again, a lot of people are trying to compare Slovis to Darnold, and that comparison might be good, but I think the problem is that 
everyone thinks Sam Darnold was like this amazing, great quarterback. Like he's a Justin Herbert type and he's not. SC fans get mad at me when I say it, but Sam Darnold was a good college quarterback. He wasn't great. I didn't think he was going to be a great NFL quarterback because he just had some fundamental flaws. He made plays out of the pocket. He wasn't great in the pocket. He didn't have a great arm. I think Slovis's arm is actually better than Darnold. I think he's better in the pocket than Darnold showed early on, especially. But Darnold's obviously that improviser leader and can make things happen. And Slovis showed a little bit of that, that first touchdown where he kind of scrambled around a little bit and made the throw. That's great. But then he tried to do too much on that fumble where instead of just taking the open Amon Ross St. Brown, and then St. Brown had a straight line to try and get into the end zone. And if not, then you, okay, you just take some points. And he tried to do a little too much, held onto it too long, and then got hit and fumbled the ball. But ball security was always an issue with Sam Donald. That never got better. And I think when you make these guys seem like they're so great right off the bat, where's the incentive to get better? Because everyone's already telling you how great you are. And yes, some of that's the coaches have to do their job and make guys better. But everyone's trying to accentuate all the positives, all the positives. Well, listen, there are some negatives. It's just so funny to me that when you go back in the day, Matt Leinart won a national title. And the next year, people are talking up John David Booty. You know, Mark Sanchez had a great year. And people were like, well, we'll see who the next guy is. It's just crazy that in the past, guys who were really, really good always being doubted. And now these new guys who have come in since they've been told how great they are when there are serious things that they have to get better on. And you can make all the excuses you want. They, oh, he's a true freshman. Oh, we'll see. Well, those excuses only go so far. If he's the best quarterback we've got, and this is USC and USC wants to contend for things like a Pac-12 conference title, you got to play better. That's the bottom line. That's true. Everything you're saying is true. I mean, we just got to play better. We have, like you said, we could talk about anything from injuries and they're all excuses and everyone through college football is going through them right now. The fact of the matter is we don't get it done and it's discouraging, disheartening, I'm sure for those guys that are in that locker room, but all we can tell those guys is just to keep playing. They're giving us enough ammo that we can sit here and talk about it and critique them, but as long as they stay with it and get better... That's how I want to see this team finish. I don't want to see them completely tank anything. I don't want to see guys give up, you know, and start chipping on one another and not helping each other off the ground and whatnot. I want to see these guys fight. Who really wants to be a Trojan? Because the ship's going to turn. Things are going to get right, and your character is going to prevail right now. So I want to see these guys continue to fight, get better, improve, and work on their craft. Yeah, and that's the one thing that really kind of disappointed me in the second half. This team has been a team that fought every game. Even when they were down, they fought, they'd come back. And I just, I saw a little bit of a lack of that in the second half where it seemed like the fight was taken out of them. And that brings us to the point where all of these penalties, all these special teams issues, all of these lack of getting things done is leading to why coach Clay Helton is on the hot seat. So every week after a game, I run the Helton hot seat scale poll on Twitter where you can vote to see how hot you feel coach Clay Helton's hot seat is. And using four chili peppers as the scale, you get to vote at the top. It's the Carolina Reaper, the hottest chili in the world, over 2.2 million Scoville heat units, which is how they measure the heat of the chili pepper, followed by the ghost pepper, habanero, and cayenne. So this week, 
overwhelming winner with 74% of the vote was the Carolina Reaper. Not surprising based on the loss that we took. 60% voted for Ghost Pepper, no votes for Habanero, and 10% actually coming in voting for Cayenne. So 74% of the vote going to the Carolina Reaper this week, which isn't that much of a surprise considering the terrible loss that SC took. We'll see how that progresses. But like you mentioned, you want to see this team finish off with some fight the rest of the way. SC was in the same position last year, five and four, three games to go, and they lost three in a row. Let's see what happens now. And it begins this Saturday against Arizona State in Tempe. It's going to be at 12.30 p.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Mountain, because they don't change the clocks there in Arizona. They just stay on that same mountain standard time all year. The game is going to be on ABC and in some markets might be on ESPN. So you got to check your local listings. Radio, of course, locally in LA, KABC 790 AM is where you catch it. So a Saturday afternoon game against the Sun Devils, who are 5-3, and 2-3 three, and three in the Pac-12. They're coming off of a bye week, but they have a two-game losing streak right now because they've played their last two games on the road and lost 42-32 at UCLA and 21-3 at Utah. It's the second year of Coach Herm Edwards, who spent a lot of time in the NFL and then into broadcasting before coming back to the college ranks last year to take over the Sun Devil program. He made a big-time move at the start of the season by putting a true freshman quarterback in as his starting QB, Jaden Daniels, a dual-threat guy who's thrown for over 1,900 yards, run for 272 yards, and he's not been asked to try and win too many games, I don't think. He's got an 11-2 touchdown-to-interception ratio, but he's got a couple of other good guys on that offense, running back Eno Benjamin, who tore up USC last year. So far this year, he's got 679 rushing yards, 4.4-yard average per carry, seven touchdowns, and... The main wide receiver target for Daniels has been Brandon Ayuk, 38 catches, 740 yards, and five TDs. But overall, not a, what you would say, a potent offense necessarily, just under 367 yards per game, which is only 94th in the country, and scoring just about 23.5 points a game, which is 103rd in scoring offense. So what do you see out of that Sun Devil offense run by the true freshman Jaden Daniels. I think it's an improving group and it's true freshman versus true freshman in this battle. It takes a lot for a coach or a whole program to give the keys to a true freshman. They must really, really, really believe in them. They must have a coach around him that they trust that is going to expedite his experience level. If that means this kid's going to be having more film and more reps here and there, they trust him, right? And hopefully this week it doesn't come down to what true freshman does better. I hope it comes down to what run game does better, truthfully. And that's how I feel about this offense. The offense is good. I think we will compete. I think, heck, I don't want to get any predictions, but I just feel like it'll come down, it'll be a, a tight game. Yeah, we've got time to get to the predictions coming up. And of course, if you are enjoying our show, please subscribe and rate us wherever you find your favorite directories for podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. 
The website for us is believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. On social media, it's at Believe Podcast. For myself on Twitter, find and follow me at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. And I know, Frosty, you're on Twitter and Instagram. Tell them where to find you. At The Organic Frost. That's me. Messages come directly to me. And let's keep it rolling. So now let's flip it over to the Arizona State defense, which is where they rank pretty good across the board. 31st in the country in scoring defense, giving up just over 21 points a game. In total defense, 46th at 357.8 yards a game. They're a little bit better in the rush defense, under 115 yards a game they give up. That's 22nd in the country. And in the past game, 89th in the country with 243 yards per game. But some of the key players to look for, linebacker Darian Butler has 55 tackles to lead the team, five of those for loss with one sack. He's forced two fumbles. He's recovered one. And defensive end Jermaine Lolay, he's got 42 tackles, five and a half of them for a loss, including two and a half sacks, and also has a fumble recovery. And then a guy whose name will be very familiar to Trojan fans because he played two years for USC, cornerback Jack Jones, who leads the Arizona State squad with 11 pass breakups this season. Last year, he was at Moore Park College to get everything in order before he transferred over to Arizona State. So he didn't actually play football last year. He was just at a JUCO to get all his academics and everything like that in order. But of course, Long Beach Poly guy played for a couple of years at SC. So SC fans are very familiar with him. And is this a defense that USC is going to be able to attack in any way, given what you've seen the last couple of weeks? SC should just really pay attention where Jones is the whole time. He's going to have that team hyped up to be playing in Tempe with his hometown team coming in town. No matter what happened and why he's at Arizona State, he's there and he's competing at a very high level. And this game is going to mean a lot more to him than any other game. Yeah, a lot of L.A. guys, as usually there are on Pac-12 rosters. So they're going to be hyped. And I think they're going to see what Oregon did to SC. And they're going to feel that they can do some of that kind of same things and attack SC while SC is down. So, of course, now SC is at 5-4, and four, like I mentioned. Still 4-2 and two in the Pac-12. So with some help, yes, they are still in the running for a Pac-12 South Division championship and to maybe go to the Pac-12 championship game, but now they need a lot more help for that to happen. What is the mindset after a blowout to try and bounce back? What do you have to do to kind of get yourself back in a proper frame of mind to play? Now, obviously, when you were at SC, you weren't taking blowout losses, but you might have had a couple in the NFL to deal with. What What do you have to do as a team to get over that and come up big in the next game? Well, in a lot of cases, what's going on at SC is next man up. Guys are getting hurt at a rapid pace, and we're just plugging some players in there, and that's great for opportunity. Some of these guys need to make a name for themselves and become leaders. The leaders aren't going to let a blowout loss happen two weeks in a row. Really good teams don't let a loss derail what their goals are. Right now, I'm not sure we are a really good team, but I would love to see these guys pick each other up stay together throughout this whole storm that's going to happen the next few weeks and compete. I could say compete, and that's a cliche word coming from this Trojan, but it's exactly what it is. These guys got to stand up, get on this plane, 
take that bus over from the hotel and be prepared to play four quarters and eliminate all the stuff that's going around them. Stop reading the press clippings. They got a job to do. And if they can compete, I feel like it'll come down. It'll be a tighter game. And like you've said, like I've said, we want to see SC establish a running game. And it seemed like they were willing to do that earlier in the season when they had the full complement of running backs at the start of the year with Vivai Malapai and Stephen Carr going. And even when Marquis Stepp started to come up and show what he could do, the redshirt freshman, but now all of those guys are hurt. Again, we are recording this on a Tuesday, so we don't know yet if Stephen Carr's hamstring is going to be healed up enough to allow him to play at ASU. And true freshman Keenan Kristen has done fairly well since he's gotten the chance to play with everyone else going down, but it still seems as though the coaches don't trust him enough to just give him 20 carries. I mean, he had 15 in the last game, got 79 yards. Game before that, he got about the same number of carries, and It just seems as though they don't want to put any trust into him as a true freshman. And so they've gone these last couple of weeks to a lot more five receiver sets, empty backfields. And we got away with it against Colorado with a comeback win. We definitely didn't get away with it against Oregon. Do you think they're going to try and establish the run and just listen, let's have some faith in this true freshman. If he's the only guy we got going, let's just let him go. Well, the one thing I learned playing sports this long time is, I hope they don't take reading the papers or hearing what we say and just putting some plays together and like, here, we did it. It didn't work, and this is why we don't do it. I hope they scheme to figure out a way to get the run game going. I hope they take a professional approach to understand that this program was built off running backs. And now, I mean, times have changed. Football itself has changed. But I know one thing, putting pad on pad, running powers right down a defense's throat, it's the only way this is going to fix itself. You got to establish the line of scrimmage. You got to establish the physicality of what's going on. And yes, there's an air raid perception going around all college football, but get back to the basics. And if the season isn't going the way it's supposed to go, if we're not going to be going to a national championship, get back to the basics and see who wants to be there, who wants to play one-on-one football, and we'll see what happens. But don't take our word for it. I hope it comes from internal inside the program. Yeah, and that's definitely part of the reason why, obviously, there's questions swirling around what is going to happen in the future of this program, especially with the possibility that Mike Bond is going to be coming in as the new athletic director at USC. Again, that has not been finalized or made official quite yet, but it was reported that the University of Cincinnati AD will be coming in to become USC's new AD. So we'll have to wait to see how that all plays itself out. And in the recent history of this series between Arizona State and USC, SC did lose that game last year, 38-35 at the Coliseum. That was the game, for those of you who remember, that Jack Sears got the start after JT Daniels got knocked out the week before with a concussion. And then Matt Fink came into that game and broke his ribs on a run during that game. So it was left to Jack Sears to play, and he actually played pretty well, which led to a lot, again, a lot of fans wanted Jack Sears to become the starter at the start of this season. 
and he was not given the first, second, or third string, so that's why he went to the transfer protocol. But he played pretty well in that game, even though I don't think they gave him much to do in the first half, and we got into a hole, and he tried to lead a comeback, and we came up just a bit short there. But we have done all right in recent years in Tempe, so Arizona State is actually looking to try and win for the first time at home against USC since 2013 when I believe if I remember correctly that was the Lane Kiffin fired on the tarmac game we lost that game 62-41 and coach Kiffin was fired on the tarmac after the game so now we got to get to the fun predictions segment to let you know how we see this next game going and before we get to the picks for this week got to recap the picks from last week and the players that we believed in last week frosty you're gonna take the win you're gonna rub it in i know because you took the whole wide receiver group (laughs) you took the whole wide receiver group i took amon ross st brown who had a decent game seven catches for 61 yards only ran once for two yards, which I was a little surprised. I thought he'd get a little more involved in the running game, but they didn't use him that much there. And the receiver group as a whole had 30 catches, 256 yards, and three touchdowns. So you get the win there in the players that we believed in last week. In terms of the game score prediction, we both picked Oregon. I had it 45-30. You had it 40-20. to So I'm calling that one a tie because you had it closer on the margin of victory. That was a 56-24 eventual win by Oregon. But I was closer there on the actual total points of it all. So I think we kind of split the difference there. And then in our prop bet segment, Frosty's Cold Hard Truth and Nara's No Doubter. You said that USC's wide receivers would outplay the Oregon wide receivers. Again, I think you didn't quite win that one. I think it was more of a tie because even though SC had the bigger total numbers, Oregon's receivers had 16 catches for 193 yards. So they got over 12 yards a catch and they had one more touchdown than the USC wide receiver group and they destroyed us in the game. So I'm going to say that one, you kind of didn't quite get it. And then I said Oregon would have 500 plus yards of total offense for Nara's no doubter pick and actually SC held him to just 405. So again, I'm saying no winner on the prop back segment, but on the week you got a win and a tie out of it. So now you have taken the lead in our season total. You've got three wins. I've got two and we've tied three times. So you squeaked ahead on the season lead there. I'm just doing what I do. I wouldn't call it squeaking. It's just momentum. All right. So now we're going to see if you can keep that momentum going with this week's picks. First, the player that we believe in for this week. I'm going to let you go first. Who are you believing in this week for USC? You know, I'm good at these predictions when it comes to groups. So they're taking the easy way out with the groups. I'm telling you. It's not an easy way out. It's just the way I see football. It always comes down to four quarters of a game. What group's going to do it? Who's going to set the tone? Is it going to be the offensive line or defensive line? That's just how I was groomed. That's how I grew up. So I like to go with groups. I don't like singling individual people. There's a lot that goes into it. That's my insight. So if we're not going to do that, right, you don't want me to do that? Well, no, I mean, you can. I'm just saying it's a lot easier to get something when you're picking a group. I think that if you want to pick a guy within that group, who you think is going to stand out for the group? 
the best thing about this is freedom of choice. So I'm going to go group again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do group, and I'm going to pick our running backs. And I'm going to say this because I feel like the coaches are going to have to evaluate what they did. They're going to know what they did in the red zone. They're going to know they spread it out. And I feel like our running backs are going to have a bigger game. Obviously, what makes that go is the offensive line, but I think the running backs will have a better game. So can I go with a group of running backs? Whoever's the monster, sure. gets the 20 carries, that's who it's going to be. But every single person's going to contribute, and the running game is what's going to prevail us. I mean, most likely it means you're really picking Keenan Kristen. Let's be honest. But yeah, sure, you can have the whole running back group. So all right, so the players that Frosty's believing in for USC this week, it's going to be the running back group, whomever that may end up being. For me, I am going on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to go with... A captain, the linebacker, John Houston. He's been playing really well in recent weeks, trying to hold it down with all the injuries that have been happening to guys on his side of the ball. And I'm going with John Houston as my player that I believe in for this week. And now let's take a look at the game score. Right now, Essie is, by consensus, a one-and-a-half-point underdog on the road at Arizona State. And this was a tough one for me. I thought about this a lot, and I actually I came up with, I figured I know what the score is going to be. I'm saying the score is going to be 30-27. My harder issue was who's actually going to get the 30 and who's going to get the 27. And after a lot of wrestling around with it and just maybe – the way I saw that team play in the second half, I'm just going to pick Arizona State to win, 30-27. I'm not thrilled about it. I think it could easily be USC with that very small margin of victory, but I'm just going to go with the home team this week and say 30-27 Arizona State. What's your pick? Well, that's not a bad pick, and SC's given us some more than enough reasons to side with other teams as of late, right? My pick is the same. I'm going to go with Arizona State. Just the simple fact that we're on the road. We don't fare too well on the road, even though we have had victories. Um, I'm going to go with Arizona State winning this one. And I feel like special teams, preferably, I'm going to say the kicker, if we're going to single one person out, will have a big game. Kid's automatic, and I feel like he's going to kick a lot of field goals, and we're going to go back and forth, and that kid's going to have a big game. That would be Christian Zendejas of the famous Zendejas kicking family. Absolutely. Great kicking family. This kid has really showed up. I think they even put him on scholarship and he's just been kicking lights out and he gives the team a chance. And I feel like he'll go back and forth and we won't trade too many touchdowns, but the kicking game is going to be huge. So what's your score? What do you got ASU winning? I'm going to say 23-15. 23-15. All right. So our game score predictions for this week, both going with the Arizona State Sun Devils. I've got it as a higher scoring affair, 30-27. Frosty's going 23-15, a field goal battle in the desert. And now, of course, is the always interesting prop bet portion of our predictions where we just pick something that doesn't have to do with the game score doesn't have to be a specific player necessarily just something that we feel strongly about that is going to happen in this game and it's one of those things where it could be anything we're not usually right but we try every week and as we always mention all of these picks are for entertainment purposes only if you choose to use them in your own gambling pleasure we're not to blame we're not taking your loss for you. That's on you. But 
for my Nara's No Doubter this week. I think it's going to be about turnovers. And I think the reason that SC loses is that SC is going to lose the turnover battle. That's been something that we've had issues with in the games that we've lost. And I think that's what happens here. And so my Nara's No Doubter pick for this week is that USC loses the turnover battle against Arizona State. Frosty, let me hear the cold hard truth. The cold hard truth is, mm, (laughs) this is a tough one. You know, I'm a Trojan, so I hate saying things that just don't go in line with what we're all about. I know. Doesn't it just hurt you? It hurts. Honestly, I feel pain having to make these picks right now. Frosty's cold hard truth this week, and unfortunately it's not in USC's favor, is that ASU's kicking game will be the determining factor and they will win the game. All right, so Frosty's cold hard truth is that you're going with the ASU kicking game being what wins the game for the Sun Devils. I'm going to say that that takes into account field goals, punting for field position, and even just the return game, right? Correct. All right, so ASU special teams will be the key for the Sun Devils' victory. We can go with that. So to recap our predictions this week, in the players that we believe in, I'm going with linebacker John Houston. Frosty picking the group again. He's going with the running back group, which, again, I'm thinking is just mainly Keenan Kristen. In our game score, it pains us to say this, but we are both picking against USC once again this week. I'm going 30-27 ASU. Frosty going 23-15. And in our prop bet, Portion Frosty's cold hard truth is that ASU's special teams and kicking game will be the determining factor in their win. And I say that USC loses the turnover battle against Arizona State, which is partly why I am picking against USC. So before we get going and wrap this thing up, any final thoughts from you, Frosty? Final thoughts for Frosty is just Trojans look. Everyone's rooting against you. Even when you look at it, we're picking scores, but we're still rooting for you. Please finish this season off the right way. Please play for one another. Don't listen to the headlines. You're there for a reason and take advantage of it. Make sure your schoolwork's getting done. Make sure on the field you guys are competing to the utmost respect of this game. Please, there's people that came before you that are still rooting for you. We're still in your corner and we're proud of you guys. Just keep playing hard. That is what we want to see. Of course, if you enjoyed listening to us today, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And we're available on your favorite podcast directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. The website to find us is Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. On social media, at Believe Podcasts. For me on Twitter, I am at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Give me a follow, throw in a comment if you want to hear us talk about it on air. Frosty, tell them where to find you. You can find me on Twitter at The Organic Frost or again on Instagram at The Organic Frost. So for Frosty Rucker, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 11 of the USC Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? 
And even though we may not be picking USC, we believe that they will continue to fight. And like I say at the end of every show, please remember to fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.